Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. My name is Pastor Nathan Paygard, and I'm grateful that you could join me today, and I'm looking forward to walking through the Word with you. For this episode of the Mobile Word Podcast, we're going to be focusing on the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be in chapter 12. We'll be reading primarily from verse 1 to verse 14. So again, that's Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 to 14. On this podcast, we typically are using the NIV version. Uh, If you have a different version that you are more comfortable with and you'd like to read from that version, uh, feel free to pause the podcast now or at any time to read from your version. I recommend doing that before we get into our discussion about the passage, just so you can have the context. So again, I'm using the NIV, but if you have a different version, you can press pause on the podcast and you can read Matthew 12, 1 through 14 on your own, or you can listen to me read from the NIV and then read afterwards. So whatever fits your uh, your typical Bible reading um, approach in terms of what version you're reading, go ahead and do what's comfortable for you and then rejoin the podcast. So again, we're going to be reading Matthew 12, 1 to 14. So I'll go ahead and start to read, then I'll pray, and then we'll get into a discussion about what we can get out of this section, and what the Lord has prepared for us to learn. This is Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day, and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we can go through the Word and that we can take this issue, take this passage before you, and we can ask for answers. We can ask for guidance and wisdom in how we can understand your Word. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you administer between all of us, no matter where we are when we listen to this or when we go through this passage. I thank you that you are with us to translate the word and to help us to understand what is in our Father's heart. So Holy Spirit, I ask that through this medium, through this podcast, you administer truth to everyone involved, including myself. Guide my words, anoint my words so that there can be healing in these words, that the power of the living God can be experienced and felt through this medium of a podcast in Jesus' name for his glory 
So, Father, I thank you for these words. I thank you for putting them in the mind and in the heart and in the hands of your servant, Matthew. And I thank you that we have them now in the Bible, the complete story of your salvation, your works of saving us from ourselves and from death by the wounds of Jesus and by his life. So I thank you for Jesus and by his name, I thank you that we can approach you in the word and seek truth and be healed by your word. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Matthew 12, 1 to 14, um, if, you're, if you're looking in the NIV and other versions of the Bible, you have uh, different subheadings and titles for each passage to kind of give you an idea of what the main topic is. And the subheading in the NIV, in the version I'm reading, is Lord of the Sabbath. So the, the main topic, you know, the main focus of this section is obviously the, the Sabbath, but not just the Sabbath, but this relationship between the Lord of the Sabbath and the Sabbath. So we, that's really important for us to understand as we're going through this, and, and we're going to touch on both of those today, because there's there's two issues there, and you can talk about one without talking about the other, but what we see in this subheading, and they get it right, is that it's the Lord of the Sabbath. That's very important. So the context is you have the disciples walking with Jesus through the grain fields, and it's the Sabbath, so it's Saturday, and it's the Sabbath, the holy day, that we see throughout the Old Testament a command in the Ten Commandments to have a Sabbath, a rest day, which reflects the seventh day, the rest day of the Creator God during the process of creation. So this idea of Sabbath is anchored in the Lord's commands. It's anchored in God's commands. It's one we often forget. We often know of the other commands. We know of of thou shalt not kill or steal or covet. Um, You know, those are are known by, by most people. But Sabbath is often not included in our memory, at least, when we understand the commands of God. But it is a commandment that God laid out for the Israelites to follow. So I know in, in, my, in my experience for myself and then watching other people read the Bible, especially the Gospels, it's really easy to get kind of knee-jerk anti-Pharisee. But what we have to remember is that the, the basis of what these Pharisees are doing, you know, the basis of what the priests are doing, even though they might be hypocritical, and Jesus calls them out repeatedly as being hypocrites, actors, the basis of what they're doing is grounded in what God had commanded them to do. So we have to be careful to to not get too knee-jerk anti-Pharisee right off the bat, and to know that this idea of a Sabbath, this practice of taking a rest day, was declared by God himself. So the issue is surrounding the Sabbath day and work on the Sabbath. And the command said to to rest on the Sabbath. What happened is that that definition of rest started to get debated. What is rest? What is work? You shouldn't work on the Sabbath. 
So what is work? You know, is it going to a job nine to five? What if, what if it was nine to four? You know, what if you did work at home? What if you're freelance? What if you're doing yard work? What if you're doing housework? So suddenly you can start to see what's in our hearts as sinful creatures. Our, our, our natural instinct is to want to have definitions for everything. Think about a kid. Everything is why. We want to know. We want to know why something is the way it is. We want to know what happens after this or what goes before this. We want to know. I mean, praise God that we are creatures of such inquiry. We want to know answers. We want to know solutions to problems and questions. But with God, it's always been, be holy because I am holy. Love me because I am God. Trust me. Obey me because I am God. Like in the garden, don't eat of that tree, period. It was just don't eat of that tree. You can have everything else in this garden, everything else that he has created for them to have so that they can not only live, but they can thrive. Everything that they needed was available to them. He was giving them everything they needed that was specifically designed for them to thrive. Yet there was one thing he said, because I'm God, obey me and don't eat of that tree. Just because he is God, just obey me. Because of your love for me, just obey me. So with God, it's always been that way from the beginning. Just rest. But we, our reaction is but what does that mean? What is rest? How do I know if I'm resting enough? We want to make sure we're following all the rules. We want to make sure we're, we're not outside of those boundaries. But with God and with Christ, so much is just give me everything. Trust that I see your heart. Follow me and be created in my image and not the image of sinful flesh but for us to be recreated in the image of Christ. So this idea of Sabbath was a huge problem for a lot of people in understanding what is allowed, what can you do? And that's being discussed in this section. The disciples, they're going through the grain fields, they're hungry, and they start picking from the grain, the heads of the grain. So you can imagine you take it off and you, you, know, you, you either pick it or you rub it between your hands and it falls out. The problem is that even that was perceived as work by a lot of the Pharisees, a lot of the teachers, because what happens if that grain falls on the ground and then it's rain and then suddenly there's new crops? Well, technically, you were sowing seed. And technically, that's the work of a farmer. That's the work of working the fields. And that seems like it's an extremely large jump to a conclusion. And it seems ridiculous in a lot of ways that that just snacking on grain and accidentally dropping, you know, heads of the grain on or seeds onto the ground would be considered work. But that's how out, that's how overblown that question became of what is work. So they eat and then there's a confrontation. The Pharisees say, why are you allowing your disciples to work on the Sabbath, to do what's not lawful on the Sabbath. And then Jesus comes back to them and gives them a few examples refuting the basis of their complaint 
and then he defines what the Sabbath is made for, what is the purpose of the Sabbath, and then he goes on into a synagogue, heals on the Sabbath, and again, that creates that, that question of, well, isn't this work? And again, we can look at that and say, this man just was healed. His, his hand was shriveled up, and now it's open. Why does anyone have a problem with that? But because of that question that, that rested on God's blessings and punishment, this, this view of a works-based faith that if you don't do it right, you might lose everything. That spirit of uncertainty and anxiety and fear, because that's really what it is. It's fear that you will not be accepted or fear that you will not be blessed or that you won't inherit what God has promised to you or is offering you. Fear that you will lose it. And our instinct when we're afraid is to want to control everything, to make sure, to, to make sure that we've got everything under control. And through that process, you're basically taking control out of God's hands, putting it in your own, and in turn, denying the sovereignty of God and denying the grace of God to just see your heart. So that's the context of what's happening. There's, there's work, quote-unquote, being done on the Sabbath. There's eating and there's healing. And the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, have a huge problem with this because they had that belief that if you did work, if you violated one little percentage point of the law, that you're out. You know, such a narrow tightrope you're walking on when it comes to a works-based faith. So that's the context. So let's get into what I believe God has prepared for us. I just read it before the podcast and prayed about it. And I have a few points that I think that are important for us during this podcast episode um, in particular. There are other sermons and other points that can be made about this section. And I encourage you to look up other sermons and read other commentaries. There's a lot. God's Word is so full of wisdom. And depending on the person and your situation, he might be telling you something slightly different. But for now, I'm going to go through what I think God has prepared for us. The first thing, and I'll go ahead and read the first first section from verse 1 to verse 2. Verse 1, it says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So this whole thing starts, why? Because they were hungry. That presence of a need, what we see in this first section, is what supersedes the idea of what the command is in terms of the Sabbath. You can see Jesus didn't rebuke them. Jesus didn't say, whoa, 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 don't you remember it's the Sabbath? None of that comes from Jesus, comes from the Pharisees. Because what you see through the Gospels is they're watching, they're monitoring, spying. But you don't see that coming from Jesus. Jesus walks with them through the grain field. They start to pick heads of the grain to eat, and he says nothing. And when we read through the Gospels, 
We have to look to Jesus. What does he say? How does he react? What is his interpretation? When we read through the entire scripture, how does this point to Jesus? How does how is this passage fulfilled in Jesus? How is it resolved and concluded in the works of Christ? Everything. Everything points towards Christ. So in this section, what is more important to Jesus given his lack of a reaction, given the absence of his words? There's a need there, and it's being filled. They're hungry, and they're eating. And that's followed up in the, in the next section when Jesus gives his first, haven't you heard, in verse 3. And we're going to go from verse 3 to verse 8. And we might backtrack a little. Verse 3, he answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Then the second section in verse 5, Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests and the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. So you have first an example pointing towards David, doing basically Jesus is saying what they're doing, eating something that's unlawful because they're hungry. And then the second example is what the priests do that is unlawful, that they desecrate the day and yet are innocent, that they're in their position, they're at their post of serving, quote unquote, or in those, those, those positions of honor, being representatives of God as the priests, yet they're doing it in a corrupt way and they get away with it. A huge contrast there. And what it shows us is that there's a precedent for first God's grace and there's a precedent for man's self-righteousness. Those are two points he's making in that middle section. He's saying that in the story of Israel, in the story of God's relationship with Israel and with his creation, grace has been ever-present. We forget that sometimes because grace is fulfilled in Jesus and the most powerful sign of God's grace is on the cross with Jesus. But he has always been a God of grace, always. If you hear anything different, that is a complete lie and that is not grounded in scripture. He has always been a God of grace, always from the beginning. And what we see with David, this is still t- this is still during during the time of the law. And what they ate was for the priests. Yet there was a need, they were hungry, and like in the situation with the disciples, Jesus didn't say a word, and with David, God didn't do a thing. They ate because they were hungry. So Jesus is throwing the word back at the Pharisees who are supposed to be experts in the word, saying, haven't you heard? And of course they've heard. You know, it's a rhetorical. Of course, if you know the word, if you study the scripture, haven't you read in scripture that David did the same thing, yet there was God's grace and mercy, and that God saw the heart, that they weren't desecrating the holiness or or glory of God in his nature, but they were hungry and there was food. 
And then he says, haven't you also heard and haven't you seen that these priests, these men of honor, according to society, on the outside are the clean cups, but on the inside there's filth. They go and they have the external polished, but in their heart they're desecrating and bringing dishonor to the temple. So he's setting the, setting the situation that there's a need that God sees first. And second, he's saying there's precedent in the word for God's grace and man's self-righteousness. But then he says in six, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. And we know through the New Testament that the temple, everything is pointing towards Jesus. And that the temple was just a shadow of things to come, we read later. The temple where God's holiness resided with the Israelites is no more with Jesus because in Jesus, he dwells in us. Like Jesus tells the woman at the well, there will be a day when you no longer go up on this mountain and we no longer trek to the temple, but that people will worship God in spirit. So what he's saying is that there was a temple, there is a temple, but in me, the temple has only bricks and gold and wood. It's just a building because the temple was pointing to the Christ, to Jesus. So what we get kind of sandwiched in that section, the first section, is that God focuses on the need first, and that there's grace with God. Man tends to look for the outside performance more than the inside transformation, and that everything about the Sabbath, everything about the temple, is fulfilled in Jesus. Because he says in verse 7, If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. There's mercy again, grace. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, that's the relationship at the beginning we talked about. It's not just understanding what is a Sabbath. So if you're going into this section and thinking, we're supposed to keep a Sabbath. I'm supposed to rest. I'm supposed to take time to rest from God. Well, yes, that's true. You shouldn't overstretch yourself. You shouldn't, idol- you shouldn't idolize your work. You shouldn't idolize other things and not give God any of your time. However... It says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So just like how the temple is superseded by Jesus, the Sabbath is superseded by Jesus. So what he's not saying is that now you don't need to rest. Nowhere does he make that argument. Nowhere. But what he says, like he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy burden, and what? And I will give you rest. So he totally explodes the notion that there is a day where you need to commit it to the Lord in order to follow the commands of God. In Jesus, he says, come to me always. Come to me daily, not for the consecrated bread and not for heads of grain, but for daily bread, and I will give you rest. 
So he totally redefines the Sabbath in saying that I am Lord of the Sabbath. He says son of man. He's talking about himself. I am Lord of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath means nothing apart from me. That's what he's saying. So if you are are committed to taking a day off, that's great. And if you are committed to taking time and and being disciplined about that so that work doesn't encroach upon your time with the Lord, that's great. However, what is more important in the context of the entire gospel is to have daily rest and daily bread. No longer is there a teaching or an understanding of God that you work six days and the seventh day is the Lord's day. What we have now in Christianity is that on Sunday, it's the day that he is risen. It's a celebration day. It's a party. But rest, no, Sunday is not rest day. Monday is rest day. Tuesday is rest day. Wednesday is rest day. What kind of shape do you think you are going to be in if you work yourself to the bone for six days and then try and catch your breath for a few hours on Sunday? You might be able to keep that up for a little while, but you will wear yourself thin over time. Guaranteed 100% because that's not what we are made for. We are made right now to give our life to the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, to Jesus so he can be Lord of the Sabbath and daily feed us bread, providing us strength and daily giving us rest as we give our cares and our worries and our fears and our anxiety and our burden onto him that he willfully takes so that we can in turn receive rest daily. That is the gospel, and that is good news. That's the good news, that you don't have to wait till Sunday. Right now, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 27th of September at 11 a.m. You can have rest now. If you're listening to this at a different time, you can have rest now. You don't have to wait. We no longer have to wait for the day that it's declared the Sabbath. And on the other side of that, if you keeping the Sabbath makes you idolatrous about the Sabbath and that on that Sabbath day, you're not willing to go and do work that brings glory to God because you have your rules about your Sabbath, you are not honoring the Lord of the Sabbath. Plain and simple. When I was preaching on this, when I had my house church in Korea, I had this passage, we were reading through the same passage in Mark, and I was walking from the subway that I would take to get to my house, and the walk from the subway to my house was about 15, 20 minutes. And I was walking, it was probably about 7, 8 p.m., pretty dark out, I remember. And I was asking God, I was talking to Him, and I had church the next day, and I said, Lord, how can I teach this in a way that makes sense? Give me an analogy or give me a way to teach this that might make sense. And right away, he gave me an analogy, a scenario. Picture yourself Sunday morning, if you go to church, and you're late. Maybe church starts at 10, takes you 15 minutes to drive, 
and it's 9.50, and you're not even out the door. You're late, and you're never late to church. You like to get there early. You hate to be late. You want to get there before the worship team starts or before the service starts. You hate to be late. You love to be punctual because it means something to you. It means something to how to you about how you honor God, how you prioritize the worship or the church service on Sunday. But you're late this Sunday. Imagine. And you get in your car and you're, you know, you're gradually getting everything together. You're, you're still kind of, you know, kind of flustered, but you're in the car and you're pulling out and you just want to make it there in time. So you're what? You're going to speed. You're going fast, 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 fast. You're trying to make up some time on the road. And all of a sudden, far off in the distance on the side of the road, you see a car that's broken down and you see a person waving trying to flag people down because that car just got broken down. Now, right there, you have a choice to make. If you want to be on time to church, which you are always on time for, you won't stop. However, like Jesus says later, and I'll skip right to 11, he says, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. I'll give you a second and let you come to the answer of what you think God would want us to do in that situation. What would be doing good on the Sabbath? The correct answer is you're late for church. You might not even go to the church service that day because you stop and you help your neighbor and you love your neighbor. And that is how you love your God with all your soul and your mind and your heart and your strength. But you give up your comfort. You give up your structure for the sake of doing good for God. So I encourage all of you to take time for God. Take time. Take 30 minutes a day before work, after work, during your lunch break, and just read the Bible. The Word is so central to our faith and so central to our being transformed in the likeness of Christ. Take time for the Word. 30 minutes a day. You've got 30 minutes. I know you do. But it won't just appear. You have to make it. Give Him that. Give Him prayer time. When you're driving to work or you're commuting, it doesn't have to be out loud. Take 10 minutes and pray. Talk to him. Just talk to him about what's going on. It's a conversation. Just talk. I know all of you can talk for 10 minutes. I've been doing it for right now 31 and 17 seconds. You can talk for 10 minutes. Pray. And, and, and fight for that time. It won't come easy. You have to fight for it and you have to defend it. It will get attacked. The enemy does not like us to have intimacy with the Father. So he will attack the times that we're trying to cut out for our Lord. So cut it out, cut that time out, and defend it every day. Because that's your daily bread and that's your daily rest. Find Sabbath every day of the week. That is the gospel, is that you can have it, 
and that you will have rest every day through the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, if you have specific things that you like to do that, you, that help you to refocus, like if you have a day where you just don't want to do anything work-related, good. Make time for your friends. Make time for your family. Make time for church. Take a break from the work that cuts into that time that time that you want with God or your family or your friends. Take a break. Stop. Rejoice. Celebrate what the Lord has given you. And trust that God allows you that and wants you to be replenished by the blessings He's given you. Take time. However, never let your Sabbath day become an idol because the threat of that is real. And you will not only forego the good that you ought to be doing on that day that the Lord wants you to be doing, but you will become prideful and self-righteous. Remember the precedent of God's grace in that first example of David and the precedent of man's self-righteousness. Jesus is saying those have existed from the beginning. God's grace has always existed and man's self-righteousness, his ability to do things, his glory has always existed from the beginning, from the garden, when we started. So don't you think that that exists in you? Why would it not? It exists in me. God's grace is ever-present with me. So is my tendency and my instinct, my sinful nature, to gravitate towards my own self-righteousness that I have to fight against and rebuke in Jesus' name, the Lord of the Sabbath. So if you have a time during the week that you are cutting away, that that is very meaningful for you and the Lord, however, there's that person on the side of the road that needs help, you forego your thing that you find so valuable and you let God change it. Never lose the flexibility of the Spirit leading us. Never lose the willingness to go where the Spirit is leading you. When Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he says the Spirit of God is like the wind. It just moves about, and those born of the Spirit are the same. So if you are used to a certain way of doing things, and God is blessing it, great. But if he wants you to change it, and totally do away with that, restructure it, replan it, do something totally different, honor God with obedience. Trust God with your obedience. Trust that he has what you need and has prepared what you need in this change. The Sabbath is about finding rest and worshiping God, looking at what he has created and finding joy in what he has created. But Christians, friends, in Jesus, that can happen every day, and it should happen every day. In Jesus, our Lord of the Sabbath, we have Jesus every day. We are fed by Jesus in the daily bread every day. We can come to him when we are heavy and burdened and find rest every day. 
And Jesus says at the end of this gospel, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the gospel, is that you can have rest during work, after work, before work, and during work. And you can feel his rest, and that is there for you to take in Jesus. So there's a lot in this section about Sabbath and how it was understood and what fights against the Sabbath. But the truth about the Sabbath as it comes down to us through the Gospel of Matthew and in Jesus' name is that the Sabbath means nothing without Jesus. If we have the Sabbath and we don't have Jesus, it's like Paul saying that we have all these, these gifts but don't have love. All you are is a clanging symbol. It's nothing. It means nothing. It's air. You can't grab it. It doesn't exist. It's not there. You can't touch it. Have the Sabbath. Find rest for your spirit and for your soul. Find rest from your toil and from the struggle of being in this world but not of the world. Find rest, but find rest every day in Jesus and defend that rest and be diligent and proactive to make time for you and your relationship with God because without a relationship with God in Jesus' name, without a relationship with our Savior, all else is meaningless. It truly is. There is nothing worth anything without Jesus. Let's leave it there and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Sabbath. I thank you that we can find rest when we are weary and burdened. And I thank you more that in Jesus' name we have that all the time. And that we can be supernaturally blessed with rest every day, all day. And as we are blessed by that rest, help that blessing be a light to others. That the promises of our Lord and Savior Jesus to be our Sabbath every day are real. And there for all to take. Help us to be that city on a hill shining forth the good news of the gospel that in Jesus we can have rest and we have our Sabbath in the Lord of the Sabbath. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so we'll leave it there for this week's episode of the podcast. I thank you for listening. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Again, if you have any questions or any thoughts or scriptures you'd like discussed on the podcast, please feel free to send them in to our email at mobilewordministry at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, I always love interacting with the scriptures that we receive, and they really uh, bless me as we go through this podcast um, together and as I go into the scriptures that you've been going through and we go through them together as I discuss them with the leading of the Holy Spirit. So please feel free to uh, send those in, and I look forward to seeing them and praying about them and uh, discussing them with you. But until next time, enjoy the word, and God bless. Mm-hmm.